0: Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. Good morning, Ecclesia. My name is Ashley Malacker, and I am one of the Princeton Seminary interns for this academic year. Now I am standing in my room looking outside the window and it is an absolutely beautiful day. I wish that I could actually be with you all, but these are strange times that we are living in. So we are going into the second week of our series, The Next Right Thing, Simple Obedience for a Complex Christmas. This week we are starting on the theme of contentment for this season. What does it mean to be content? In many ways, contentment means experiencing a sense of fulfillment in the here and now, even if not all the parts are there. We've probably all heard the famous Christmas song that goes like this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? mary did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new this child that you've delivered will soon deliver you it's really a great tune the lyrics go on to mention the miracles jesus would perform like giving sight to the blind man and calming the storms with his hand. The chorus goes on to repeatedly ask, Mary, did you know? Did you know? But Mary, did you really know? The singer keeps singing, Mary, did you know? I think you get the point. As we look deeper into what Mary's Song of Praise means in Luke, I think Mary actually did know. Maybe she didn't know everything, but she had a fairly good idea that something was already happening. And she certainly knew the child now growing in her womb would not only make her new and deliver her, but he would also continue to bring salvation to all humanity. I would also go a step further to say, Mary didn't need to know. She didn't need to know everything because of the deep faith she already had in the lord there is something about mary that other characters in her larger narrative did not have and that was precisely how she believed god's message sent by gabriel but mary's faith is not just her own she directs this hymn to her faith grounded in a God who historically rescues and delivers the people of Israel. In Luke chapter one alone, we see an interconnected thread of narratives beginning from the Old Testament to the time of Jesus's upcoming birth. First, we see direct comparisons from Mary's song to Hannah's song of praise in 1 Samuel 2 after Hannah praises God for granting her a son who would also give his life and service to God like Jesus. Zechariah and Elizabeth's narrative echoes Abraham and Sarah's supernatural conception since Elizabeth, like Sarah, was past childbearing years. So we find Mary's story placed as an emblem of a much larger experience and expectation, except. Mary's conception of Jesus far surpasses John's through Elizabeth. The previous section of Luke chapter one, there is a clear contrast between Zachariah's response to the angel's message versus Mary's response. Zechariah was terrified, overwhelmed with fear, while Mary perplexed and pondered what the greeting could mean. Zechariah, a priest with status, is the first to receive Gabriel's happy news, but Mary, a lowly girl, is the first to praise God with a hymn, because she believed it first. As she says, here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. While Zechariah questions, saying how will i know that this is so the difference is that zachariah did not believe and mary did because of this mary responds to the message with praise while zachariah was mute tongue-tied and unable to speak because he did not believe the word of the angel mary in fact asks How will this be, as if it happening is understood? Not only this, but the angel's visitation to Mary supersedes Zacharias. John will be born to an aged, childless couple, but Jesus will be born to a virgin. Even before his birth, John is filled with the Holy Spirit, leaping in Elizabeth's womb but Jesus is conceived through the Holy Spirit. The next progression of events shows how Elizabeth acknowledges Mary's great act of faith, as she says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Mary does not praise Elizabeth in return, but most importantly praises God in her song for the salvation that she and her people are receiving through these events. Mary could have easily made this about herself too and taken some kind of credit for her participation in this. But Mary immediately gives praise to God because she knows all these events tying together through centuries and centuries of waiting, anticipating and suffering are God's initiative. And the climax is Mary's song. Mary is honored and blessed because she believed. Though we don't know a lot about Mary, we do know she was a young, unmarried girl with lack of status, probably coming from a Galilean town. But her loneliness is not merely a result of her socioeconomic status. Her loneliness displays a strong sense of humility, which we see in her address. As she says in her song, to lift up and receive good things mean more than human status and material goods. The lowly are believers truly hungry for God's word. And like Hannah's song, both refer to themselves as servants. Both declare how God had regard for their lowliness. So, The reason for their praise is God's regard for them. We see in Hannah's story, words that strangely enough seem to find their fulfillment in Mary's son, Jesus. Hannah is described as deeply distressed as she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your child, to your servant, a male child. Mary's song strongly suggests that God truly has remembered. God has not forgotten as Mary proclaims. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. So first we see Mary's faith expressed in the very beginning of her hymn of praise as she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices. Before any concrete actions are expressed in the song, before she goes into her reasons for praise, describing the Lord's strong actions in history, Mary's belief begins in her spirit in her soul. Before Mary goes to the collective experience, She recognizes her inner self, expressing a very personal embodied experience. Mary extols the Lord's greatness and recognizes in him her savior. And here it is the first time we hear about the savior. Though not fully or explicitly, there is an inkling that something has ignited Jesus not even fully formed, not even a fully formed baby in her womb, stirs within her spirit. Her song, in fact, reflects many psalms of praise in the Old Testament, including poetic elements that help narrate the larger historical story of Israel, which now Mary herself becomes a part of in the closest humanly way possible. And what's interesting is that the term applied <clears throat> in the song is to the Lord of the Old Testament, not Jesus yet. Mary does not over anticipate what Jesus will do or guess what he could do. Mary remembers what God has done. And now with this new message to the angel, that is enough for her to believe and praise, to rejoice in this moment of fulfillment which, though in the beginning stages, is still enough. Mary's faith believes in a God who remembers, and so she too will recall what God did in the past. Mary's praise for what God had done to her personally now expands to include what God does in history and God's action in society as a whole. Mary begins to reference God's wonderful works done for Israel in the Old Testament. This is shown through strong verbs that show the action of God. We see this motion of God looking upon Mary, insignificant, economically and socially poor, and lifting her up from lowliness to exaltation. Mary is made to contrast her humble status with the Lord's greatness. Mary recalls how God scattered the proud, brought down the powerful, lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry with good things, and sent the rich away empty. As one commentator puts it, Mary's song twice moves from short rhythmic sentences with initial strong verbs to a a longer sentence that puts God's mercy in the perspective of the ages. And here we see dramatic reversals take place. God has overturned society in favor of the oppressed, and the opposites of the lowly were not simply the rich but included the proud, the arrogant, or those who felt no need of God. We also see God described as showing strength with his arm, which references God's power demonstrated in the exodus and the parting of the red sea with god's great saving acts toward israel in ancient times god's right arm rescued the slave people from bondage and oppression for hundreds of years and it's all connected to this overarching promise that god has with god's people god's actions appear in the past tense to show that what god did in the past God will continue to do age after age. This is the hoped for salvation. Mary's song does not refer to philosophical theology about God's essence, but rather recalls how God's actions point towards God's essence. We first see this action in the holiness of God. Mary says, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary does not say, and Jesus is his name, or even the Lord is his name. Rather, she calls God by God's action. That's how she knows, holy is his name. Mary knows her deliverer's name because she has experienced the effect of God's mercy. Every section of this song also points to divine mercy which spans the ages as it says his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation and in remembrance of his mercy to abraham and to his descendants forever god's mercy remembered is a powerful image for god's enduring commitment to israel through an everlasting covenant this generation to generation shows a sort of timelessness in God's actions. And now God's strength is not an aggressive, boisterous display of power. God's strength is shown through God's mercy and compassion on the lowly. God is mighty, but God uses that might and mercy toward the weak. God dramatically upsets human ranks in a revolutionary fashion, but is also as one commentator writes, conservative in keeping ancient promises. God's power, the strong arm exerts itself to bring both deliverance for the people and judgment of the powers. This recalls the way in which God's liberation of Israel frequently occurred alongside defeat of its enemies. And finally, Mary's song declares, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. God does in fact fulfill God's promises, just as he spoke long ago in Genesis. So the song ends with a recollection of promises made by the Lord. These are not separate events. They all tie to God's saving action and culmination through Jesus. We are not just hearing about God's mercy, strength and holiness like we would if a friend told us a story completely unrelated to our lives. We are wrapped in this historical narrative too. This is Mary's song. Mary did know. Mary knew that Jesus was the fulfillment to Hannah's weeping and to every every woman's weeping. Jesus is the fulfillment to the small nation of Israel and to every nation and people oppressed today. Jesus is the fulfillment even after all the years of the Israelites' slavery and wanderings and the failed attempts of kings like David and the exile and longing to be brought back into God's greater narrative. Mary had to have known that for the Lord to look upon her to call her favored, a lowly insignificant girl in her times. This had to be the same God. Jesus had to be it. It could be no one else. I remember when my oldest sister had just given birth to her first baby, my nephew, Wesley. He is the cutest thing in the whole world, who is now only a year and a half old, One of the times we were walking back with my sister and my mom to her hospital room. She was tired. My sister was bent over in pain after having a C-section. We both looked over to an area where the nurses were taking care of many newborn babies, which to me looked pretty similar, but not for my sister. As the mother, she knew exactly which one was Wesley, as she pointed that one, that's him. At that point, Wesley was barely a few days old, but she knew. Now, I'm not a mother, but I don't think we have to be to grasp the heart of Mary's song. She extends her faith and level of certitude as a collective experience for others to believe as well in saying, my savior there is no greater connection and experience than this. Mary declares, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. How could Mary not know, hearing all these active descriptions of Jesus from the angel, great son of the most high, superseding David's lineage, reigning over the house of Jacob forever. The child will be holy. All these descriptions matched perfectly the God she already believed in. These descriptions of Jesus are the God Mary is already praising in her song. And we are given the gift to have that faith, a closeness like none other with Jesus, our Savior too. Ecclesia, even during such complex and challenging times as these, Struggling through a vicious pandemic that has taken millions of lives and left our souls aching for connection and community. Mothers still weep. Black and brown lives still seek justice after years of suffering and present violence that we see today. The proud and arrogant, too, still alienate themselves from God's mercy. So what is God doing this Advent in 2020? And what can we do? I have this strange feeling that the world feels smaller than ever. Smaller than ever before, even though the pandemic has literally blocked national borders, keeping people locked in their homes and states. In some ways, we are closer than ever because COVID has affected nearly everyone on the globe in some way or another. It has both united us through a shared common experience and separated us both physically and politically through systemic inequalities that are clearer than ever. COVID has made us realize we are not content with our lives, with our country, and maybe even within our hearts. How can we be like Mary and experience fulfillment, contentment in this season? I'm not saying we passively wait and sit around for God to drop a message from heaven like Gabriel did, but I am suggesting we do not overlook the strength and power of faith. A faith that is rooted in the very fabric of our beings. A faith that actually surpasses the closeness of a baby growing in a mother's womb. In this season, we can mirror Mary's praise to simply be able to believe in our heart and say, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary's faith encompassed her obedience and her participation in God's divine activity. Our best action for this season is faith. And maybe our faith is the next right thing. The question is not whether God will or will not do something. The question is whether we will respond with faith, whether we will have faith in my Savior, in your Savior, in our Savior. And the Savior is Jesus, the full embodiment of holiness, mercy, and strength. The God that Mary praises and directs her faith is Jesus. The baby yet still growing in her womb is the savior of the world. Every promise generation to generation fulfilled in Jesus. Pray with me. Jesus, we direct our faith, our hope, an expectation of fulfillment in you. We thank you because today and tomorrow and every day leading up until Christmas day and after, we can say in our hearts that you are our savior. Lead us to a place this season, despite all the uncertainties, a place where we can be content and experience fulfillment in what you are already doing for us, for our families, for this country, and for this whole world. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit com.